my son was eight or nine years old, he called me at work. Dad, everybody's okay, but you need to come home. There's been a fire. I was an emergency department nurse in rural West Virginia. The local firefighters put out a rapidly escalating brush fire around our house. I became a nurse in 1975 and worked in home care for a few years in western Massachusetts. When we moved to West Virginia as back to the land hippies in an intentional community, I realized I knew little about responding to a family or community medical emergency. So I became an EMT, an emergency medical technician, and then a paramedic a volunteer first responder to accidents, heart attacks, fires, sudden births, all sorts of medical emergencies. When we left West Virginia after 12 years, I stopped my first responder work and slowly pushed those days out of my mind. I'm a fan of Jon Stewart. I followed The Daily Show for many years. I still follow The Daily Show. I especially appreciated John's rabid advocacy for 9-11 first responders health care. Once again, my eyes opened. Now I'm eyeballs deep in community-centered research, research that matters to people where they live, work, play, worship, and learn. What questions do first responders ask that research could contribute answers? How do we stay safe, maintain baseline health, Deal with sudden and cumulative stress. Maintain effective teams. Communicate with our partners and the people we serve. And care for people with physical and cognitive disabilities. And on and on. When I discussed this with my friend Laura Marcial, she introduced me to her colleague at RTI International, Will Parenti, a firefighter and a researcher. Will is a father, husband, and an Air Force veteran that now works as project manager for RTI International. Will's passion is to give back to the public safety community by supporting research emphasizing solution-based outcomes for fire service professionals. His ultimate mission in life is to provide responders with the tools they need to save lives and protect property. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. Hello, Will. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. It's uh, great to talk with you. We we were just chatting for a few minutes here that the reason that I wanted to speak with you is I wanted to think about what is a bridge between first responders and research. 
And we were just starting to talk about that, and you said there's a million questions that people have, or maybe you said a thousand, but whatever. So yeah, let's continue with that thread. Okay, so there's a bunch of different topics within the fire community that are very important to them. A lot of them have to do with health. The fire community has become very aware over the last 40 years about the impact of physical exercise and how that helps with your heart health and avoiding things like cardiac arrest. And they've been very successful in lowering the number of cardiac arrest deaths on duty, which is great. Unfortunately, what we're finding now is the links between combustible gases and the other products of fires, whether that be just materials burning off or polyurethane or furniture or even in our houses. And the carcinogens that are coming out of that, unfortunately, being absorbed by our firefighters, being absorbed into their uniforms, being taken back to the station and impacting them for the rest of their lives. So that would be definitely the first big one. Also, a lot of research that needs to be done within the gear itself. How do we make gear that doesn't have PFAS or PFOA, which is a huge forever chemical issue that's been coming up in the news a lot. Okay, say that again and tell me what it means. So PFAS and PFOA are, they are chemicals within our fire preventative gear. If you've heard of Nomex, which is the usual term that we use for everything from fighter pilots all the way to firefighters with the thing they throw over their head. NASCAR drivers use it as well. It basically prevents us from burning to death. Unfortunately, what's within that, it's within even our turnout gear or the firefighter ensemble that you see people wear, there is this chemical called PFAS. And there's multiple versions of it. PFOA, I'm going to forget all the different aspects. That's okay. That's okay. I get it. You're So it's a chemical that's a fire retardant that's in gear that you use that can be harmful correct that's part of the fire retardant it's used in a bunch of other things it's used in bottles of water it's used in manufacturing cars unfortunately it's everywhere okay. and it gets within our blood it's in, within the blood of everybody they even found it within fetuses which is horrible and unfortunately oh, for firefighters they're just exposed to a much higher level because yeah and so the risk of this can be anything. It can be testicular, kidney, liver cancer, reproductive problems, weakened childhood immunity, it can damage your family, your children, and it can really lower the quality of life for our first responders. And the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation has really done a good job of bringing awareness of this and trying to push research through the Assistance to Firefighter Grant and other funding mechanisms to really get a solution to this problem. How do we find better gear? How do we find better results? How do we even find the healthcare, which is something that's just not talked about? And so it's definitely research topic number. So when you say the healthcare, does that, you're saying that like clinicians who have familiarity with these issues, just if somebody has a certain kind of cancer, you're looking for a specialist who knows about that, that there's a constellation of challenges firefighters have and finding clinicians who are familiar with those issues. Yeah, that's certainly a part of it. And then the other part of it is just simply the cost of the healthcare. Oh, and oh, who yeah. then is and then who then holds the burden for this cost? We have these people within our communities that are working to save our lives. We're going to keep our families safe. And then when they get something like cancer, there isn't necessarily a healthcare from them that either comes from the community or from the federal government or whoever. And it's a sad thing that happens. And something so that- some of that, just like any other worker, some workers have health insurance and some firefighters have health insurance and some don't. And whether it's their volunteer and they get it from their day job or 
they're employed and they may or may not have employer insurance? I think it's a little bit of all those things. Certainly the profession, they say the paid firefighters that are maybe on a city or the county level, they have access to city and county benefits, and that typically includes healthcare. But what you may have in a rural community, which is typically a volunteer fire department, which is comprises like 80% of firefighters everywhere, because they're not paid staff, they may not have access to healthcare through the city or state. And what that requires them then to do is find their own, which can be hit or miss across America and the different levels of care can be that as well. But it's really unfortunate that we have these people serving the communities and then there's no mechanism that allows the communities to give back. And I'm sure the communities would love to, just that mechanism really isn't there. So this is what's been in the news a lot lately, this PACT bill for veterans having benefits because they serve us. Absolutely. And ironically, John Stewart of The Daily Show fame is all over that. And he also worked on a bill after 9-11 for firefighters that were on ground at Ground Zero who got the same thing. They had cancer. They had the ALS was something that popped up. There was a lot of different diseases and health effects that, unfortunately, we lost more firefighters after 9-11 than we did on the day of 9-11, which is 343 and then many more after so John Stewart fought for 10 years to get the, they call it the Zdroga Act, which gave them health care from the federal government. And now he's working the PACT Act, which is obviously working for veterans, which a community I'm involved in, and getting them health care for their burn pit exposure. So all these mm-hmm. things are linked, and it's an unfortunate reality that as a country, we don't have in place the mechanisms, even though we have the public will, we want to help. It's just not something we've been aware of long enough to really get the legislation through. But I'm optimistic yeah. that the future will be better. Yeah. Do you feel like, like, how does your dual roles here? So you're wearing, so you can see over here, I'm health hats and I got a lot of hats and those are <laughs> right. my summer hats. I got winter hats too. But, uh, but so you wear the, your day job hat and your firefighter hat. And how do you find that they overlap? So I work in a research institute and part of what we do, a lot of what we do is on healthcare, but ultimately our goal is to improve the human condition. And so one of the things that I really focus on is finding opportunities to bring our really amazing researchers, our really amazing, passionate people that want to help to a funding source that can allow them to find a way to help firefighters. And and there's a lot of different mechanisms out there. There's the U.S. Fire Academy, there's the NFPA Research Foundation. NFP. I'm sorry, NFPA is the National Fire Protection Association. Okay. And they're the international standard bearer. Really, they're an American-based firm, and they make all the codes and regulations for firefighters. If you've ever had a fire inspection in your house, the code that they came from was NFPA. Okay. If you've ever seen the lights that have been put up in movie theaters... It's an NFPA code. It okay. touches everything in life, but it, it's like jazz music, which you'll appreciate. It's in the background. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So you bring your, okay. So finding funding, we have such a perverse set of incentives. Yeah. I'm a little, uh, I don't know what you would say I am, but I, to me, I, if I would have an order of things, I would think that the community would be children first responders. Cause right. there's, it's, these are like basic community fiber, strength, longevity, risk mitigation. Yeah. It's so perverse. So where have you had success in find funding for 
or I guess it would be funding and coalitions, right? So say more about that, about your experience with that. Yeah. So as I said, there's the public will to help our first responders is there. It's it's a matter of budgetary items in Congress and the Senate and everywhere else. So a lot of times what we find is that there are smaller institutes. So the NFPA Research Foundation, for example, they have a set budget, which isn't, it's not a billion dollars by any means. It's not even a million. But they push out different funding sources to find information that can drive further research. You have places like NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. They're funding things like better equipment. They're trying to find better ways to fight fire. They're trying to find better ways to measure these impacts. You've got FEMA puts out grant funding every single year through the Department of Homeland Security. And then the U.S. Fire Academy will put some stuff out. But what's maybe more feasible is even state-level funding. Uh, I live in North Carolina, North Carolina Department of Insurance, which hosts the fire marshal, which is pretty standard for most states. They put out some requisitions every now and again to try and get help on topics they're interested in. And while that could be cancer, when it comes to health, a lot of times it's also mental health, which is a huge issue. And everything else within fire, how do we get better tactics? How do we get better gear? How do we get better X, Y, or Z? So you're a, you're a community firefighter. So do you, how does that, how does this, I don't know what to call it, this epidemic of massive fires, how does that affect you? So I've never been a wildland firefighter. I assume that's what you're referencing. Yeah, about. yeah. So there's massive issues worldwide, really. But California is always in the news. But out in the Midwest and even down in Florida where I grew up, wildland fires have been an issue for a long time. And the biggest concern is what they call the wildland urban interface. And that's where the trees meet the houses, mm -hmm. layman's terms. And unfortunately, due to a menagerie of reasons, the number of wildfires and the financial impact of that damage, as well as the loss of someone's home, which to me is more important. Like we can talk about the billions of dollars lost, but at the end of the day, Danny, if your house burns down, you don't care that a billion dollars was lost. You care that you no longer have a place to live. And unfortunately, we're seeing this more. And again, to, my, and to their credit, all the institutions that I've already talked about are really focusing on this, but it's risking lives for firefighters. This is a very dangerous, if the wind switches on you, it can take you from a safe area right into the belly of the beast, so to speak. If the climate's warmer and the trees aren't as hydrated, these fires can get larger. And we've got people that are out in the middle of the woods on top of a mountain carrying 40 or 60 pounds of gear with maybe like just enough water and food to get by that are really trying to help people. And it's scary. And I have a lot of respect for those people because it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot yeah. of ditch digging. And I don't want that job. I'm not yeah. I'm not strong enough mentally or physically. So these people are genuine heroes. They're really out yeah. there doing work for us. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use a bridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. Switch 
gears just a little bit. So RTI is supportive of you looking for funding and then do they end up like participating if you're successful and can build a coalition and have funding? Then do you take, like my role with RTI is I work with Laura Marshall and we work on clinical decision support, pain management, care planning, like that kind of thing. And, and so is it a sort of a similar, is it similar? Like she's always looking for funding in her area of special. And so is it like RTI open to its employees, probably hires people who want to build that kind of stuff? So RTI, like I said, their mission is to improve the human condition. And okay. so they're always open to really living through that mission. It's not all, it's a business. So at the, it's a nonprofit, but at the end of the day, there is a financial incentive, oh, yeah. however. So if you can make a business case that I can save one firefighter and also make $10, it doesn't matter how much, it's a nonprofit. We don't need $10,000 for everything, but if I can make $10 and help people, that's true to RTI's mission. And it's something that we're willing to at least investigate. And fortunately, they also really value individual contributions. It's a really great company to work for. I'm not just saying that because it's a public thing. I'm saying that because I truly believe it. And so they definitely allow us to look for these topics. And we've done things from looking at 9-11 victims, the blood types, and trying to figure out how we can better identify those victims. We've done things such as surveys of volunteer departments and what kind of training are they involved in. We're currently investigating how we can better data help data management across the country. Firefighting is not a new topic to RTI. It's just something that maybe myself and a few other people are really exploring more. Yeah. I'm thinking back, I had a period of my life, so I'm a nurse. And mm -hmm. I was I was an ER nurse and I became a paramedic. And I, I lived in a rural community in West Virginia, and I was a volunteer paramedic. So I had the, the benefit of a combination of being an ER nurse and a paramedic, and my wife was my driver. Okay. And, and I think about, what do I think about? How ignorant I was, mostly. I feel like I had a lot of chutzpah. And right. <laughs> I was a good team leader in terms of drills and prepping because it was all volunteer right. and, and didn't know crap. I think we all get into the job with these high idealist morals. And but I think in that, I think about what if I had known what I know now, the that bridge. But it's still that bridge. Wow, this is great. So what do you think, what haven't we talked about that you think would be important for people to know related to this bridge between community service and research i don't even know if i'm putting that well it is it's, gotcha. it is community service i think one thing that's really nascent to the fire community and one thing that chiefs across the country have said it's twofold number one fire chiefs have a lot on their plate and they have a very small budget and so finding funding for them they need help with grant writing they need help just in general i wish there was a third-party institute that could really funnel these things to the right places. But more even so than that is when research does come out, it, it needs to do two things. It needs to start with the firefighters and really figure out what they need. They don't, you don't need to have a solution looking for a problem. You need to find a problem and figure out a solution. Yes. And then the second thing we really need is solutions that kind of get into the firehouse. A lot of times in research, we get into these very academic looks at maybe what can we do in the future and what are considerations for future research. And that's wonderful. And we need that and it's valuable. But the firefighters have people right now that are sick, that are getting injured, that are absorbing these chemicals, and they don't necessarily want to wait 10, 15 years. 
while they're absorbing all those things and, and yes. taking that risk for their families. Yes. So for researchers, help them find the money, fight, figure out what they need right now. And that's going to vary across the country right. because different needs and give them what they need. That's really the number one priority, I would say, for researchers. The other big thing I would definitely urge people, and I know it's cliche, reach out to your representatives, reach out to your state uh, legislators, uh, Okay. Uh, make them aware that this is something you care about and that you're willing to let your tax dollars go into, which is a hard sell, but I know it's really the best way to get more light on this issue is to let your senators, your congressmen, whoever know that you do care as a constitute. Yeah. And so you were focusing on, so if this is a local issue, then you're saying that probably if you're going to put energy out, it should go to this. You can even go, mayors have discretionary budgets, okay. town managers, whoever is, I don't want to say important, but whoever has the key to the purse strings within your community, because your community may be a thousand people in the middle of Iowa right. or Nebraska or Florida or wherever. And then again, your community may be New York City. If there's 10 million people, maybe look at the state level if there's a thousand Get a mayor, get a governor, right. whoever, just somebody that can really put focus on this need. I'm embarrassed to say I don't really know the funding for my local first responders. I don't know the, I know the fire is employed by the town. I know that the, some of the ambulance is also is part of the fire, but what their funding is and all of that, I'm ignorant. So I guess I have some learning to do. It's it's an interesting puzzle because sometimes you deal with politicians and sometimes it's just appealing to the community. And I have a lot of a lot of respect for those fire chiefs that have to go out and lobby for funding within their government. How do you yeah. convince if you're balancing schools, police, fire, EMF, how do you cut that pie? And these fire chiefs have to advocate and they do the best they can and they do a great job. But the more public support they get, obviously the better. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> you as well. Okay. Bye. How can communities capture a larger share of research funds that tackle questions about their people's safety and well-being? Questions about first responders' health, prevention of abuse, maternal and newborn health, traffic safety, physical access, diversity and inclusion, child and ed elder care, all public health. So research questions asked on the front line and more rapid results that get to them. Will provided a glimpse into bridging the worlds of first responders and researchers. I'm fascinated by those bridges. Those bridges take time and resources to build. Perhaps they form for one project and sunset. Perhaps from one small project to another, more extensive project, and then another. I'm seeking examples of partnerships and coalitions forming that lead to mature, sustained relationships between communities and researchers. Care to share? Let me know through the comments on my website. Thanks. See the show notes, previous podcasts, 
and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block. Thank you.